1: what's good everybody welcome back to veterans minimum at the lamb shows where you can find me at veterans minimum where you can find everything for this show my guy bucks nation well not really in the building but
2: on the other end
1: ty what's good bro
2: how's it going man thanks so much for having me i love that you just dropped the at and not the name on the intro it's so cool if my at wasn't just my name i would do the same thing but for me it's kind of a horse apiece but i'm good you
1: got the you got the new orleans saints drew Brees. are are you a saints fan
2: i am i am my guy just retired a year too late um but he's gone now he's not on the cap anymore so uh, i had to rep a little bit
1: well i'm glad that you said a year too late because i think it's about three years too late personally um i hope that doesn't sting or fuck up the relationship that we got right now but (laughs) i
2: mean listen he definitely cost them two post seasons ago i would say before that I you could argue the Rams won, but I mean they should have won that if not for the pass interference. Anyway, I think he does throw a pick, uh, in in the overtime. Or yeah, it's overtime in football, right? I feel like sometimes I I mess up the different things with sports. Like I always get the numbers wrong for quarters and everything except basketball. I always say it's twelve minute quarters in football because I'm just so basketball minded. But yeah, you could argue that too. But I think Breeze overall was good enough for them to win with the cast they had until this last year, and then this last year. You know i was hesitant all along because like the year before it started to show and this last year it was like oh i mean they put in Jameis for that one drive when he got when breeze was hurt or whatever it was and like the team just looked different and i was like this is sacrilegious, but maybe he should just play a little bit more but you kind of have to go out with him after 09 but it wasn't great these last few years
1: listen as someone that has been financially invested to the new orleans saints and i think i tweeted at you and and uh, Megan,
2: Megan Reyes, yeah. Megan
1: Reyes, who's a Saints fan, also shouts to her. I was like, so it's you two that I have to send my Venmo for to be refunded <laughs> for the Drew Brees collapses. But yeah, man, yo, one of the most iconic. Honestly, bro. Honestly, I feel like he might be the most influential quarterback of all time.
2: Really? Yes.
1: And what I mean by that is before him, you never even looked at a dude that was under 6'2". It's true. Open and the then ever Russ. since open the door for Russ Baker, Kyler. I know he fizzled out Kyler. I know he fizzled out, but Johnny Manziel never gets drafted if it ain't for a breeze. And I know people are going to tell me Doug Flutie, bro. It's like, yeah, I get it. Congratulations. Enjoy that. But Drew Brees is a hall of famer has won Super Bowls, uh, all these records. So I think the most influential quarterback of all time is Drew I Brees.
2: Think, I think what's going to be fascinating I mean, obviously, there's gonna, you know, and every NFL person, there's gonna be like a bunch of like autobi or not auto, but biographies that are like glowing and all this, blah blah blah. We all know that's coming. I think when someone who's like thoughtful and like looks at it from a real perspective, it's just a fascinating career to dig into. I mean, like clearly one of the greatest quarterbacks of his era, never wins MVP, which is like mm-hmm. a fascinating breeze thing. I think part of it is just bad timing. Like guys like Aaron Rodgers peaked and like. You know, overall, I think you could argue that just especially just regular season statistically breeze over five years, maybe better than anyone. But he was so consistent at the same level. And these other guys had these peaks and valleys that were higher. So he never wins MVP, gets the one Super Bowl, three years into his Saints career, and never goes back. So it's one of those. I mean, that, that's pretty common, right? Like Rodgers hasn't been able to go back yet. Pretty similar tra- trajectory there. But I think it's just a, a really weird career. It's weird that the guy never wins MVP. Also, you know, the league kind of hates the Saints for a while there. After 2009, that might play a role as well. But uh, it's it's definitely... And then, of course, the other criticism, right, is like he, all he throws for 15 years is slant passes, and he throws 5,000 yards of slant passes every year. It's... Uh, I don't know. It was nice having him, though. I'm not looking forward to rooting for a team, although you could argue the last year or two, but really now... Uh, an almost rudderless team. I mean, Jameis is locked up. Sure. uh, You know, pluses and minuses there, but I've only had the franchise quarterback as long as I've been a Saints fan I've rooted for him since 06. So I'm a little concerned that we might get in the bears territory in the next five years here.
1: Dude. I don't think it's fair to say that about drew Brees with the slant stuff, his whole career. I oh, think, I don't think so either. Yeah. No. I think the last three, four years he became, you know, the slant boy, Michael yeah. Thomas, who, one of my strong takes, Ty, maybe I think it was prior to last season, right? Not this one that just passed the the, the Chiefs Niners Super Bowl. So two years ago, I remember just saying that I didn't think Michael Thomas was a top 10 wide receiver in the league. Because if you watch them from a production standpoint, he clearly is. Yeah. But like for me, he's just, dude, there's a compilation on YouTube, his 149 catches. Yo like 125 of them are within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage yeah that's a product of breeze not being able to get the rock out quick absolutely but breeze like early on he used to have marquise colston down the field and oh, every wow. henderson too. remember him like he oh, cats yeah. like who cats like three 70 yard bombs a year he was like tyree Kill just not as size, but he was always just like be wide open and they would have these guys that he could just you know, Jimmy Graham also was a was one of the early tight ends to like change the tight end position. So
2: Lance Moore was there. Lance guy Moore, who some yeah, wild games back in the day.
1: Yeah, Lance Moore randomly hopped in my locker room the other day.
2: <laughs> oh man, I got to I got to get in your locker room. <laughs> yeah, bro,
1: it was just Lance. mad random. It, so. <laughs> But yeah, dude. So enough about the Saints talk and uh, hats off to Drew Brees. Man, I want to before we really dive into it. And I know your podcast is primarily about the Milwaukee Bucks. And I listened to a couple of your recent shows. And I reached out to you and I was like, yo, man, I would love to connect. You know, we're both a part of Blue Wire. And one of the the main reasons why I joined Blue Wire, Ty, to to be honest with you, is because I love the networking. I love meeting new people. I love the storytelling. I think the one thing that my show really does is I shine light on the storytelling. Again, today it's 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 three sixteen day, baby. My Stone Cold <laughs> tank top, you know what I'm saying? I thought
2: that was a soccer kid at first. It makes a lot more sense now. I was like, what kind yeah. of a sponsor patch is the top part of a guy's bald head? Now I see
1: it. Come okay. on, man. This is the greatest living American of all time right now. Stone so Cold. Who else who else drank beers and flipped off their boss? I
2: don't know, but it, it sounds aspirational to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> so one one thing I like doing, man, as as the wrestling fan in me is I really like the storytelling, how you got into podcasting, where you're from, all that shit. So I want to dive into that, dude. Like what what got you into podcasting? I know now, like I mentioned, your Bucks podcast, and feel free to plug it right away and then tell me what got you into podcasting, bro.
2: Yeah, man, I'll def always never pass up a, a good plug opportunity. Eurostep G Y R O Step. Uh, obviously homage to Giannis's uh I guess you could say signature move. Um available on all pod platforms. Followed on Twitter at Eurostep Podcast. Follow me at Ty Windish if you'd like to do that as well. T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-H. But what got me into podcasting, man, was honestly I was kind of at a crossroads in my life. Like I was at college and uw oshkosh in wisconsin uh born and raised in milwaukee went to oshkosh for college and wanted to be a teacher at first i wanted to to teach and i always thought it'd be rewarding and fun and all this and uh, you know i like to read and all that so i was like oh you know being a teacher would be cool but i mean i hated every class like not every overall class like the gen eds were fine i hated some didn't hate some you know how it is but like every teaching class i was like this sucks like I don't care about child psychology. I don't care what a four-year-old's brain is like. Like, I'm not interested in this. Maybe this isn't for me after all. And I got to give credit to my uh, brother-in-law, Dave, who was always like, bro, you're not going to be a teacher. And I was like, what are you talking about? I can do it. He's like, well, you probably could, but it's not what you're going to do. And he was right all along. I was wrong. But I didn't know what I was going to do. And basically what happened was I go on Bucks Reddit because I'm really starting to get big in the NBA at this point. And I no longer go on Reddit. This is not an endorsement of Reddit, but that's where I was at the time, and it worked out. So I see this dude, Adam, post on the Bucks Reddit, basically like, uh, just took over a Bucks blog, looking for writers, no experience needed. And I'm like, I'm at school in like this interim period between semesters, so I'm really doing nothing all day. It's Wisconsin, it's winter, it's not nice out, there's nothing going on. Most of my friends are not even there. So I was like, well... Let's try it, right? Like I've written a bit. I did like the high school newspaper, a couple articles here or there. Let's see how this is. And I wrote one article about Brandon Knight, who is always going to be a favorite of mine for this reason. And I just loved it. I was like, yeah, this content game is where it's at. Like I'm going to be a blogger. And I told the guy, Adam McGee, who's now a good friend of mine, but I told him like that first week, like, I just changed my major to journalism because of this. like, wow, like this is amazing. And now I look back and laugh because this dude must have been petrified that I just, like, ruined my life because he got me on his blog or something. But uh, it worked out. Uh, and then from there is when I got into, like, more content and podcasts and then eventually did the podcast at the blog, the Behind the Buck Pass show. It's called Win in Six, which is still a great Bucks podcast to this day. Um, and that's where I got, like, my first chops at it, for real, before I started my own show.
1: What led to you starting your own show?
2: Um, so we, I just think like, I listened to Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe do their podcast. And then obviously from there, you know, went to the Zach Lowe, just his own podcast, the low post. And I feel like it's kind of a neat tie in, right? Like you heard those and you wanted to be Bill. I kind of wanted to be Zach. I was like, man, like, I I really, I love the way this guy just like breaks down the game and everything else. He's so smart. Like I want to do a podcast like that. And so eventually, you know, working with with, uh, Adam, he came up with the name for this, actually. I'm not good at naming things, but Time Out with Ty was born. And at first, it just lived on that feed. Eventually, I kind of took it and made it my own thing. But I wanted to go, you know, more broader NBA, not just Bucks. So, I mean, I had everyone on. First episode was Adam, because obviously he got me in, in the game. Had everyone from the blog pretty much on back when. And then I would just start reaching out to random people, like, had Shay Serrano on. I had Jason Concepcion at Network, who just launched uh, Take Line, like number one podcast. I had him on in like 2015, like before. I feel like way before podcasting is what it is today. I don't think anybody saw this kind of. I mean, money is what drives you know business decisions, but it just wasn't as big. It wasn't as established. So you could just ask people on Twitter, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, why not? I'll do it." Um, I pretty much got everybody I asked back then. It was nice, but. That's when I got into, you know, more leading interviews, more doing shows like that. And really that's where, I mean, you don't do 120 episodes making basically no money. I think I sold one ad deal myself for like $70 over that whole run and I'm paying SoundCloud. So I was definitely in the negative on Time Out with Ty, although I kind of got my first internship based off it. So not really, but um, you don't do it that long unless you love it. So like, I just fell in love with, with doing this, with talk, coming on the mic and talking and i just knew i took a little break after it for a little while but then i quickly got into a euro step but i just knew like i just wanted to do this pretty much no matter what like it's just so fun and it's just like out of all the stuff like writing and making videos and all that and i like making videos but i just think podcasting is always going to be my favorite i just think there's something that sets it apart
1: well there's a level of intimacy that you get where your guests something we were yeah. talking about before we started recording about the difference between like Radio and podcasting because you know just uh, I I'm very honest with my audience on here so I like to pull the curtain back a little behind the scenes. Ty and I were speaking for about 20 minutes before we started recording, and while we were just kind of just shooting the shit, getting to know one another more, so like voice recognition because like I said, we've been DMing each other for a couple of months and just like you know shooting the shit whatever on Twitter, and then you said something which was really interesting, which I think is the biggest appeal to podcasting that you said yo, I'm going to start doing that more with my guests because I've been doing this recently with some of your guests that you've had on. You've you've had on some dope guests. And it's like, you can't do that on the radio because they come on at 1117 and you got them until 1126. And then before you know it, you're done. So you have to have your questions lined up and you have to maybe send it to an agent or a manager to, to, to get it approved. Right. When you interview athletes, that's something now I'm working on. This one's going to be a little easier because he's a, he's one of my friends. But, you know, one of one of my buddies plays for the Pistons, right? Jeremy Grant, um, buddy, That's like buddy to have. Yeah, he's he's a really like my buddy Lucas, who makes the, the merch for me. That's one of his best friends. So we've like met high and by kind of thing. But he's coming on the pod soon. But, nice, you know, with him, it's going to be a different conversation than when I have an athlete that I've never met before, because there's a level of trust and also We're familiar with one another. Does that make sense?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I did. uh, I was lucky enough when I was writing for uh, the Step Back, a fan sided vertical, a couple years ago. It's probably like 2018 now. But I got to do a phone interview with DeAndre Ayton, and it wasn't. It wasn't a podcast. I probably. I think I ended up posting the feed when I did my Patreon uh, a year and a half ago, just because I was like. It's actually good audio, and I feel like it, it was almost like a podcast. I didn't just, like, ask him a bunch of nothing but stilted questions. But that is, like, some of the athlete interviews can get closer to that, where it's more like a media scrum than a podcast. If it's, like, you know, they're kind of on edge, like, not, not on edge, but on guard a little bit, like, we don't know who this is. Like I just had the manager send me the questions and I'm here. Like sometimes it's nice. You can kind of build that rapport as you go, but it it is a little bit harder when it's like working with someone whose time is managed as opposed to just someone who can hop on the show. But that's why it's nice. If you can get someone twice, like the second time you get someone is almost always going to be better. Cause you just, it's like you said, like get to know the voice a little bit, the mannerisms, the pauses, what they like to talk about, what they don't like. You can really kind of get a lot more info. That's why when I, when I see someone just started a show with co-hosts, it's always like, at first I was like, oh, I think my show sucks. I'm like, your show does suck, but it won't suck for long. Like you just don't know each other yet. It's different. Mm. Uh, and that's why like your, your 10th episode is like going to be 10 times better than your first and your 110 times better than your 10th, because like you just, you get to learn that person and how you work together on a microphone.
1: Yeah, dude. You're absolutely right, man. You know, the one thing with, with me time, when I first started podcasting, everyone that i was involved with were childhood friends
2: yeah so you had it built in
1: so we had it built in where the only the only issue we had was talking into the microphone yeah. besides that there was no there was no cutting each other off and and shit like that just cuz you know we've been friends for so long you mentioned something before in passing which i really i want to you know give you your flowers on that you were doing a lot of this stuff for free yeah. and you were in the red dude i mean the first 3 years that i was doing Podcasting in general, I made no money until we launched our Patreon, which I don't feel like that's money because that's not like that's like your fans that are ride or die that really fuck with you that are like yo you know what man I like Ty let me give him some extra dough I'm gonna get some incentives and it feels different it does it feels different than when I got my first ad when I got my first ad bro on my own. That shit meant a lot to me compared to like the Patreon. And the Patreon was like 20 times more than that. But it was like a different validation that I got where I was saying to myself, yo, this shit is working. I can generate more money from this. This is super fire.
2: You know, I was I, I, I was doing. I, go on, Hugo, go. On. You, I would agree with you. But it's like I've been trying to think about it differently lately almost because like. I feel like it's way too easy as a creator to like write off that core group and not write off like you don't care, but like to not care enough about the however many people it is who, you know, we all, we all, everyone who creates content, whether it's tweets, TikTok, podcast, YouTube, you know, there's like that core where you're like, if I put out something good, I know these people are going to like, they're going to hit retweet. They're going to reply. And I feel like it's way too easy to just like brush that off and be like, okay, forget that. Like that's built in. Like, how do I get, more and it's important like you want to obviously grow your audience and all that I've been trying to like not take anybody for granted recently and I'm not saying you did at all but like I did a patreon as well and it was kind of the same deal right it was like this is you know fine it's I I wasn't making life-changing money but like people supporting you financially like that is like so meaningful but I think I kind of went in this wave At first I was like oh whatever it's like the same 30 people I kind of expected then I came back and I was like wait a minute the fact that there's those people that are riding with me through all these platforms and supporting. And to this extent, it almost means more than like getting, you know, a crazy amount of downloads on one episode that doesn't necessarily carry over. Cause it's like, that's like that real support. Like you don't want to say fans because it almost sounds demeaning, but like they are a fan of what you do. I don't think it should be demeaning. I think it should be okay to be fans of people. I'm a fan of you. I'm a fan of a lot of people, but I don't mean to say it as like a, you know, like a negative or anything, but they, they are fans of your work. And that stuff, that means a lot. And I'm, I'm trying to just... Just appreciate that more. That's just a random uh, seg- uh not segment, but, you know, so, tangent. Yeah, no,
1: no, yeah, of course. And and, and it's staying on, on, on task with this conversation because I think one thing that I've noticed, I've been messing around with like locker room and clubhouse a lot. And some of the conversations that are geared towards like podcasting one on one. People yeah. have that mindset of how can I get more and more and more? And they tend to push aside. Oh, mm-hmm. The the day ones the hardcore fans, the consistent fans were like with me. I don't have the wild following that others might, but it's a there's a core of fans that it's consistent. I know no matter what, I'm going to get X amount of downloads, X amount of people. Like you said, when I drop something in my discord for Patreon or the discord, when I go on Twitch, there is a good amount of people that are going to go. and Hey, retweet this for me, please. More yep. people to see it tweet at this person. Cause they said who should be a guest on their show. And it's like, you oh, can't like take that. that for granted. And it's a consistent basis that you, that your fan, your fan base has with, with you. And there's a level of trust where it's not so much that you push them aside because you shouldn't, because I think the one thing that I've noticed, man, and some of the opportunities that I've had and and, and and I'm having, you know, over the next couple of months, I'll, I'll come into fruition. It's been because of the consistent body of work. It hasn't been because of the follower count or the following. Dude, I was doing for three years, three and a half years, I was doing five podcasts a week. One, two for veterans minimum, two for degeneration Bets was my daily fantasy and sports betting show, and I was doing a wrestling podcast every week. And on top of that, I was commuting from Long Island to Astoria twice a week twice a day excuse me on the days that i was recording if i lost you i understand why i lost you because that's the route that i was taking and on top of all that i was waking up at three o'clock in the morning to go and flip eggs for my nine to five job so you gotta you gotta like one of like my childhood friends was like yo man your shit is starting to blow up overnight it's like overnight dude that's like the most (laughs) offensive shit you've ever said to me and you said some wild shit to me before (laughs) It's like nah, bro. It's not overnight, man. Like, I've broken night hundreds of times where I went straight to work, and yep. I gotta stay up to edit something that might get thirty views on YouTube or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's like it's the body of work, this big body of work coming up on six years I've been creating content. Same. That now that's the, that's the thing that I present people.
2: Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I, I always laugh at that overnight thing. I remember I had somebody when I was when I was more into the blogging part and I was writing a ton and I I'm pretty good at it I mean I might you know who knows maybe a sub stack one day to you know dip the dip the pen in the ink every once in a while but just like I said podcasting is just more enjoyable to me these days and every time I think of a good article idea I'm like wait I could just make this into a podcast topic and and have more fun but anyway but somebody said to me they're like oh it's just because you're like a good writer like you can just write like that because you're a good writer and that's all it is and I was like no, it's because I've been writing five articles a week every week for three years while doing school, like assignments for that. Like it's not like that was the only writing I ever did. Like in college, you're obviously writing a lot. And you know, working as a janitor and uh, at various other, you know, uh, I'd serve food in an old folks' home when I wasn't at school. Like it's it does it's nothing's overnight. You don't get good at things overnight, you don't you don't find that success overnight. It may look like it's other people but I definitely, I feel you on that. Like, Oh, you know, you're, you're really just coming up quickly. I'm like, I'm coming up quickly. This is my sixth year. <laughs> like nothing about it is quick, but I actually like it. Like I, I like embracing the grind. I feel like, you know, I think you just have to trust that the work is going to pay off. And that's, that's the only thing. Like I don't, I don't really set that many benchmarks anymore for stuff outside of like, I'm going to work my ass off and produce a bunch of content and get better. And that's like, that's the main goal. I have numbers I want to hit for sure. So I lot, I do set numbers, but it's more important to me, like the process than the results.
1: Yeah. And I also just think the quality of it, right. If yeah. you know that it's good, man, it's, it's going to get found, bro. It's yeah. going to get found. Like you look at you, you, I don't know if you're into like motivational stuff or spiritual stuff. Like what I mean by that is like, you know, um, just motivational speeches and whatnot. And you hear some people's stories. It's like, yo, I was doing I was doing stand up comedy for 20 years before I landed every, a Netflix special Every or, or comedian,
2: even, man. It's yeah. crazy. I'm almost like, are they 26? I'm 41. I'm like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. And then you look at, like, the, the Gary V. He talks about, like, he never created a piece of content until he was 31. I just turned 30 four days ago. So it's like, you know, you just put things in a different perspective and like, yeah, it's just You have to embrace it. Right. Because you said something before about about podcasting, how like you love to do it. Right. And like your show. Right. You love doing your show or else you wouldn't be doing it. And then eventually there's just going to is going to come to a point where you're going to people want to. People want the fruits of the labor, bro, but they don't want the labor part. They just want the finished product. And and I said this one time, man, when I was just fucked up off like 12 IPAs, I was just like, hey, man, we're not going to agree with the shit that happens in our life but it makes us who the fuck we are today Facts. and one of my friends was like yo that's that's like a bar right there and then we that's just kind of like been running with it because it's true man like look all the the decision you made when you turned to your boy and were like yo i just dropped my major and i want to do journalism it's like that's all part of your journey and your story and that's one thing that i like to do to shine on the light on when, when i have these kind of conversations
2: Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's fun. I haven't gotten to like talk about this stuff for a little while. So it's kind of, it's nice to think about it more. You know, I feel like you do get more perspective every time you look back at the journey after it's been a little while and go like, Oh man. And just, I know we're talking a long time about this, but I completely agree with you on like getting better too. I kind of overlooked that like the way the analogy I always use is the game slows down, right? Like you can see Mm. it with athletes too, like year one versus year four people just play different. Like, you see things quicker, like, whether it's defensive coverages, what's happening on offense, whatever it is, whatever sport, even, like, combat sports, I think. Like, you can just – you see things coming. You recognize things. It's like that for, for content, too, like podcasting. Like, you learn to get through, like, a transition or whatever it is better. You know, you you keep your topics on mind. Whatever it is, all the, all the various things. You know, talking into the mic, like you mentioned, that can be challenging. Like – Everything just slows down and makes sense the more you do it. So that's why I always tell people, oh, I'm thinking about getting into podcasting, but I don't know if I'm any good. I'm like, you're not, but just do it. Like, just start doing it, or you'll never know.
1: What's your What's your show about exactly? I know it's it's Bucks, but like, how did you come to diving all in on the Bucks? Very polarizing team last couple of years. I have a soft spot for them because I'm Greek. That's why everyone calls me Lamb of course and you know Giannis said that akumbo eventually he's gonna make his way over to new york i'm just All saying right. we have a lot of greeks here All I'm just right. saying just saying <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit too but t- yeah. t- tell the people a little bit about what your show's about and also bro like i want to know like more about what your show's about
2: yeah so i think what what we really try to do is obviously you know the easy answer is cover the box we do that duh I think you mentioned the polarizing aspect kind of of the last few years. I think our thing is we always tell, and I don't mean to use this in like a corny way, but we always tell our truths, whatever we're seeing out there. And I think lately why that is kind of making us stand out a little bit is we're not buying some of the crap that like the team is selling about the records and all these accolades and whatever else. Like we have said multiple times, you can throw the record away. I don't care if they win 45 games or 70 games. It's what we actually see on the court. So I think that's our big difference. Like, it's funny, like, I've been told, like, I'm selling a narrative because I've been super low on Brook Lopez this year, man. And he's had a good last three games. We just covered it in depth on the Eurostep. If you want more on specifically Brook Lopez, it's not for here. But – (laughs) I've been I've been crushing Brook Lopez. I think I ranked him tenth on the team the other day, just on like a you know no real thought Twitter thing, right? Like guys, I want to I trust to play rotational minutes in the playoffs. It's like that's a narrative. It's like I'm like, it's not a narrative though. Like he looks slow on defense. He's not playing defensively the same way. He's a different player. And like we've I don't want to say obsessed, but like we've just hit that hard because it just feels like there's just. I think it's partly a, a Wisconsin sports thing. I think people get a little complacent and it's just like, you know, whether it's Brooke Lopez, the way he's playing, whether it's coach Budenholzer himself, like don't, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Like they're going to win all these games. They're going to win at least one playoff series. Like they've, they haven't been this good, you know, you could say since Ray Allen, you could argue even longer, like don't complain so much basically. And it's like, I don't know if we're complaining, but, like, we're not just going to say everything's okay because they're good and they have Giannis. Like, we're going to celebrate the fun. Like, love watching Giannis play, man. Like, I'm just going to enjoy it. But at the same time, like, we're going to be harsh if something is not right or could be better because, like, that's what the Bucks should owe it to Giannis is to look at the team that way. It should be, like, not like, oh, we're great. Let's just coast. It should be, like, how's how can we get the best as possible? I mean, I look at the Warriors when they got KD they didn't need to do that, right? Like they still would have been great. Maybe they win another title. I don't think they win two in a row and go to another one like they did with him. I think it changed the margins and it took them from, you know, a great team to a dynastic team. And I think that's how you should always approach it. If you have someone like Giannis, like Steph, and anything less, I think should get called out. And I think our our podcast is a little different because we're going to enjoy the good times. We're going to react to every trend. We're not always negative, but we're not always sunshine and roses just because the record is good and Giannis signed. I think there's some people who it's like they got Giannis to sign. They get a, a pass from me for years. We're like, no, I mean, it's great that they got Giannis to sign. It's also lucky any other superstar is out the door after what happened in the semis the last year. Like you just need to look at all of it. And I think that's what we do best is look at the totality of the whole situation and speak on it twice, three times, whatever a week.
1: And also, dude, to, to touch on. The Bucks fan that says we sign Giannis, man. Nowadays, with how the NBA is, with this AAU sort of (laughs) yeah form that's come about, like even if you sign a five year deal, bro, it ain't you're not locked into shit.
2: There's no guarantees these days.
1: Yeah, I tell my boys all the time. I'm like, yo, I don't think I'm gonna buy a jersey again. I'd rather buy those like t shirt jerseys, and then I could wear it as gym gear if I need to. (laughs) But you know. I was talking about this with my buddy Jarrell Harris uh, a couple of weeks ago. He he works for Sports Illustrated. And we were talking about Kyrie Irvin when he signed with the Celtics. And he literally tells the entire season ticket holders, like, yep. if y'all want me, I'm coming back. And then eight months later, he's on a different team. So mm-hmm. if you're a kid, you just spent $200 on a jer- I don't even know how much jerseys go for. This is like my first, like, damn, I'm turning old moment right now. <laughs> but I don't even know how much a jersey goes for. But, dude, if you're a fan, like, you can't even just because you sign, we've seen that happen time and time again. And I, I always like when I talk to people that cover certain teams, when they have players like Giannis, who's, I mean, top five player in the league, very polarizing player in the league as well. Former two-time MVP. What's the reigning two-time MVP? That's right. You're right. Yes. I stand corrected. (laughs) I stand corrected. Um, What's the relationship between the Giannis the Bucks organization and the fans?
2: That's a great question. I think I think the relationship between Giannis and the Bucks organization, it's not like LeBron, right? Where like LeBron is like going to dictate things. I'm not I don't want to get into the whole GM LeBron thing, but that clearly happens. At least to an extent. Like LeBron wants players and he makes it very clear. I mean,
1: Hey, to be honest with you, bro, I don't know how you feel about this and and definitely give me an answer. I don't have a problem with that. When you're LeBron James, like, yeah, Yeah. that's that's exactly what I want. You're Pat Mahomes. Yeah. I want to know what wide receivers you want to play with. You're you're Tom Brady. I want to know what you want. You're not, You're not like a jobber. I'm not asking Andy Dalton to tell me what he wants. Like, nah, bro, we're going to build around you. Fuck out of here. But if you're a guy like that, you got the sauce like that, man. Like, yeah, I want to know exactly what you want. Am I, am I deferring my entire organization to a player? Yeah. But there's also certain guys of that level and stature that you'd be a moron if you didn't.
2: I mean, the last two NBA champions are because a guy like that made moves like that. Like, Anthony Davis is not a Laker. If LeBron mm-hmm. doesn't just throw everything into it for more than a year, that shit was worth it. They won a yep. championship. They were not winning that with Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, fine players, not Anthony Davis, quite clearly. Um, and Brady got all his buddies there. I mean, Gronk changed the Super Bowl. Like, those wide receivers that Tampa Bay had that everyone – I mean, again, great players. But and when push came to solve, like, Gronk was the one coming through at the end of and, the day. And, so, like, and,
1: and Antonio Brown. Right. Yeah. Another guy that played with Brady and was only for Brady. Off? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. So so go on. What's So it's not a it's not a GM LeBron kind of thing between the Bucks and Giannis.
2: No, it's almost like they're courting him in a way is the way I look at it. Like they are Ooh. constantly kind of trying and clearly succeeded at least to a point. It's more like I don't and I don't think it's like because he's not good enough or anything like that. I don't think it's like if he wanted that situation, I think he could have that situation to be clear. I think from Giannis' point of view, he doesn't want to concern himself with that. I don't, I just like that's not the way he looks at the responsibility of being a franchise player, whether that's right or wrong. Like we've seen, we just talked about it can work. I'm not going to begrudge him for not wanting that. His thing is like, you know, put a winning team around me. That's what I want. And, you know, I think he's a loyal guy. I think he's happy Chris Middleton is still there. Do I think he went in and said, keep Chris Middleton no matter what? Probably not. Maybe. Maybe it's implied. It's hard to say. And I'm not saying, you know, that was the deciding factor in Chris staying. I mean, the org likes Chris too, and he's been largely very good, but uh, largely great. Um, but I think it's more of that relationship where it's like, you know, I'm listening. Like, what are you going to do? And so like them getting Drew Holiday was the impetus for him re-signing. I don't think it happens if they don't get him. But I also don't think Giannis started the thing like Drew Holiday is the guy. It needs to be him. I think they were like, "Go make us better, so we can win a championship," and he was satisfied with the result. That's the way I look at it. It's almost like a, you know, what do you got? What do you got? He's not gonna name exactly what you should do. It's it's almost harder in a way, right? Like GM LeBron is easy. It's like, oh, we have to find out how to get Anthony Davis. Let's do it. You're gonna you're gonna collude. It's gonna be not that hard. Giannis. It's like, what are we gonna do? We gotta come up with something. So far, they've done it. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes over the next five years.
1: This is another talking point that I definitely was excited to run by you because I feel you mentioned Chris Middleton. Yeah. And yeah. I, I put out this tweet. I had to dig it up. Middleton got $180 million. That's going to be a reason why Giannis is going to leave one day. If you look at that roster, if he's making that much money as your number two guy, I don't know if that's it, chief. Is there a more polarizing player on the Bucks than Chris Middleton? Because... As a NBA Twitter guy, as a guy detached from the team, he's a guy who like, like for the Knicks, for the Knicks, it's Frank Nilikina. Yeah. You ask 10 Knicks fans about Frank, you'll get 10 different answers. Where does Middleton fit in this role? Because for me, I feel like he's the most polarizing player for the Bucs. Another example that I have, I've literally coined this phrase, Ty the Jamal Murray effect where mm. Jamal Murray, bro, you, you watch him night to night. You're going to get a different vibe from him. Like yeah. he's a guy who there's nights that you watch him. And especially when he was going at it in the bubble with like the jazz and all these guys. And even with the Clippers, they're like, yo, that guy's going to get a super max and he might be a bargain compared to what he should be getting. And then there's other nights are like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. So, what, what, where does Middleton fall into this conversation as far as like polarizing guys and Bucks Twitter and just you as a Bucks fan?
2: What's funny is he had me won over. Like, I probably replied or quote tweeted to you, tweet, or at least subtweeted you back in the day. Like, damn, you You're throwing wrong. subs, dog. <laughs> I might have been. I, I mean, listen, there was a lot of takes. There's a lot of takes when a guy like Chris Middleton signs a deal like that. Um, <laughs> I don't, I was subbing a lot of people, uh, because there are a lot of people felt the same way. Um, the evidence is looking good for you guys. I think the highs of Chris Middleton are absolutely a clear, good enough to be a number two guy in a championship team. I think there's no question. Like you take his 10 best games from a season, it's probably like 37 and seven on just wild efficiency. It's like, okay, that's a great guy. And this year he started the season. I think he had an all NBA case like easily to make. I mean, he's finishing at the rim. Like he literally never done before shooting 70% at the rim, which is like an insane number for uh, a, a wing, a swingman, whatever, not Giannis <laughs> or, or whoever, like big guys. And Rudy, That's a Rudy Gobert number or close to it. And he, he plays so well for so long. And he's got like damn near a 60, 40, 90, just unbelievable production. And it's not all catch and shoot. I think that narrative is mostly dead. He can create a little bit. He still has a bad handle. That's the worst part of his game. But he can pull up anywhere. It doesn't matter how covered he is. And make a shot. And I think that's probably the best part of his game. Is he can his his pull-up is now ridiculous. But the issue is this was great for about two months. He was unbelievably good. Seemed like all the doubters were gonna be silenced. Rohan on pod said he's better than MVP year Paul George, which we've re- revisited that recently. We don't love that take anymore. It, the inconsistency came back up, right? Like he became the streaky guy again. He had two of his worst games in years, back-to-back against Toronto. This is while Drew Holiday's out, and the Raptors just start doubling him. And not every possession, but a lot of the time. And you could just tell, like, he immediately was flustered and just had nothing. And after that, he was pretty cold for, like, I'd say about two weeks. Just, like, not the same player. Not aggressive. Not, you know, finding good shots. Just being passive, floating around 14 points, 16 points, whatever. And it's like you can't be that guy on this team, especially if Drew Holiday's out. I don't think you can really ever be that guy. But with Drew out, like it needs to be you and Giannis combining for 50-plus points, maybe 60 points a night almost. Uh, yeah, I could say 50 because Giannis is probably going to put 30-some, which mm. means 20-some gets you around 60. Chris needed to be that guy, and he just floated around and wasn't that guy. And it's like as recently as last postseason, he was good against Miami. Against Orlando, the whole series he was bad, and like the Bucks were down 0-1 in that series. I don't, I don't know if they were seriously going to lose, but they looked terrible for about a game and a half. And Chris didn't look good the whole series, and it's just like you can't really do stuff like that, man. Like that's the difference, and it's like the I think the there's a segment of Bucks Twitter you mentioned he's polarizing. It's true. There's a segment of Bucks Twitter that you know the other half they, agrees with you when he's not good enough, he's not consistent enough to be that second guy. That half will throw out, like, let's trade him and get Zach Levine. And the other half just laughs. And this is before this year. Zach Levine got better. I digress. You know, uh, the efficiency's not there. He's not a good a defender, blah, blah, blah. The make-his-own-shot stuff and, like, big moments is narrative. And that's where I was. But now it's like I've seen it so many times where I don't think it's narrative. I think you do need someone who is always going to be able to step up. And he's not going to make every shot. No one does that. But, like, at least – be able to step up and and shoot the shots and and be there and show up. And I think, you know, you look at the Raptors series in 2019, Chris had one of his worst games, I think in a very close game in that series that the Bucs could have turned around and won and he just didn't show up. And the Orlando series, uh, the Miami series, doesn't really matter how well people played with how bad the team looked, Mm. but it's just like that inconsistency has been there. So I think, you know, he's a, he's a great player in a sense, but I do think, it's crucial to get that Drew Holiday guy to kind of take some of that load of like, there's a game you just, nothing's going to come easy and you just need to manufacture points. Chris hasn't done that in every game like that, that they've needed him to, or I would say even close to every game.
1: Man, it's funny that you bring that up about that, like the trio, right? You need to have three guys. And one conversation I was having last night with my buddy Dylan, who's a big, big Nets fan, and he's been a Nets fan since like, Kerry Kittle days, you know, mm-hmm. like he's been a nuts fan since New Jersey and I was trolling him because they were playing the Knicks last night at the time of recording. And I said, Hey man, are you excited for that? Three of 22 shooting game that Harden's going to have in like a game five. He's like, you realize that that's not going to matter because Kyrie and KD are going to be there too. And I was like, fuck, you just ruined my entire <laughs> mindset of trolling you when it happens because he's right, right? Like, yeah. And and that's the thing to, to bring it full circle back to the Bucs. Middleton, if you have Drew and you have Giannis, you can you can get away with that, you know, seven of 20 shooting game that, that might come about where you just don't have it that night. Where I think yeah. that's the biggest thing when you have three or more stars that it's gonna happen. Like Harden man, you look at his playoff resume, even Paul George, dude. That's why I think the Clippers and those Thunder teams and the Pacer teams. Dude, I went on a rant last year by accident. I just felt like I was kind of just talking out of my ass. I was like, yo, because I'm a big like th- this kind of kills me in some ways, Ty. But I respect analytics. I trust them. I don't always believe them, though. No, I'm I'm, I'm getting to where you're at
2: now. Because, I've had this shift recently.
1: Dude, I was talking about it on the locker room that I did today with Alan. Daniel Jones PFF said that he was the most accurate 20 yard thrower in the whole league last year and i was like according to what i watch the giants twice a week i watch them on like game pass he he misses guys wide open like where where do we see this so with me with like the analytics stuff it's like yo i'm a big eye test guy i still like to trust my eyes Uh, i tend to watch sports with the volume off like i'll play a podcast or i'll play music just because i got a lot of shit that i'm doing and I'm just watching, and I start talking about Paul George, and I'm like, "Yo, I feel like he's had wild performances in the playoffs, and while being a bad, like a terrible, right?" And then I start looking, it's like, "Yo, for every 30 point game he has, he has like a eight for 26, or like a a, a 12 point game where seven of his oh, yeah. points came at the line." And you just he is the high his-
2: profile Chris Middleton. There's a lot of similarities there
1: yeah man yeah and you mentioned about like the 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 mvp year and i think that was in reference to when
2: he was on the thunder correct yeah he was third and he called it his mvp
1: right right well i felt like you know i had voted for him for mvp i mean i don't have a vote but like yeah yeah. in, in my opinion i thought he was mvp that year but you know coming back to this and like with the nets talk and that that's another question that i have for you as a bucks fan you know you guys are a title threat title contenders who is the team that scares you the most coming out of the east And I'd call you crazy if you didn't say yeah. the Nets.
2: I mean, I think it's obvious. I mean, yeah, it's the Nets. I mean, yeah. I think you know. Let's give Philly a re- little respect. Uh, Absolutely, because you know, mad. I
1: bet, I bet Embiid to win MVP and Simmons Straight Defensive bet. Player of the Year too. Man,
2: they might both pay if Embiid's not out too long.
1: Yeah, it might be a nice summer if both of them hit. So that's that's for sure.
2: <laughs> but the issue with them being the biggest threat is both of them. I don't there's the fit's not there. And I feel like they feel like it's so defensive about this. It's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. It's like the same way the Bucks people get defensive if you say this stuff about Chris. I think like truth hits harder than than actual like baseless slander, right? Like I think you know watching that team, those two guys as the best two guys, they're not gonna win a title. They're just not. The spacing is never gonna be there. Embiid is trying to make up for all of it by now being a great shooter. Props to him. I still think. I mean, you talked about Paul George. I mean, Ben Simmons will have a postseason of mostly like 14 point games just because in the half court, what's he going to do to score? I mean, like he'll set some nice screens here or there. He'll make some good passes, but he's not going to be able to break down a defense and score. And that's why like part of their hot start is because Tobias Harris is like shooting the lights out. Ah, I think there's a reason you bet Embiid for a regular season award, Simmons for a regular season award, and not a title. I don't think anybody wants to bet, and the bet relies on Tobias Harris. Like, no disrespect, a good player, always a little too uh, slandered, a little too uh, uh, slept on in the first years of that deal just because it was way too much. That's not his fault. You always take the most you can get. But he's always been Tobias Harris, right? And maybe he took a real step forward. I don't think so, I think. He's going to have off and on spurts like he always has. But the Simmons and Embiid thing, I just don't see it as as being championship quality. I think it makes it too easy to send extra help to stop Embiid because Simmons is just like, you can leave him. And the absolute worst thing is like, maybe he cuts to the basket. But you're already there with two guys. So I, it's the Nets. You said I was going to be crazy. It's got to be the Nets, man. Like Any team with KD is a contender. Pretty much full stop. I thought the KD Kyrie Nets, you know, I was like, probably gonna probably gonna make it out the East. I think they're up there with Milwaukee and Milwaukee has been so up and down, but I just think like Kyrie has been so up and down. I mean, the word mercurial is used a lot for like NBA stars who, you know, the media feels a certain way about, but he really is. I mean, even his play, it can just vary so much, but then Harden, it's like the Warriors thing when they got KD, it's like the margin, like if you want to argue that the ceiling doesn't actually move that much, just because clearly they could win a title anyway, they'd done it. So mm. like you, you could say the ceiling's not higher, but the floor is like right there now, because like you mentioned with the, with when you already talked about the nets, right? Like if Kyrie has a bad game or so one of the two guards misses time, you have another one who can easily take all those touches plus KD who makes up for anything on his own. So I think if they stay healthy, which is probably going to be the toughest part for them, they'll uh, they'll go a long way. I don't think chemistry is an issue. I think your best bet for beating them if they're healthy is Harden and Kyrie shoot too much and KD doesn't shoot enough. I think literally that's your best bet is they kind of beat themselves. Like we've seen this with KD before. I think that might be the only way you beat them four times in seven games.
1: I think the other thing, going back to my buddy Dylan, he's been on the podcast a lot. That's why I have I mentioned his name. Like, my audience knows him. Yeah. And uh, he, he says to me, there's, like, a running joke of, like, Kyrie Irving's, um, just, like, his day-to-day. You know, like, he'll just, like, completely go AWOL and just no one knows where he's at, right? Like, he just didn't do all-star media. And yeah. then there's other times where, like, you know, he'll donate a million dollars to, like, a Boys and Girls Foundation, and then he'll just, like, know just sit out a game like it's just he's so he's so up and down with everything and he always says he's like there's one report from like the daily news coming out when they ask kyrie if it's james harden's team and then he gets in his feelings and then he's like yeah i'm not playing for two weeks (laughs) so he's like that's the only way that the nets are winning the championship bro because he just sends me pictures of of uh like uh him in parades like he's very very high on himself and what the nets could do but you know what in the end of the day bro it's it's kind of like with the splash brothers and durant right like you have those three it's gonna be and you had draymond right whereas now you look at the nets and you know blake griffin i think all the buzz around blake was because people are thinking of old blake like he's been a shell of himself for a while i
2: don't i don't know if he's top six on that team
1: yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if he's not in the rotation with four minutes left in games. Like, oh, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think he will be. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I think this idea that he's this, you know, monster that's coming over and all these graphics going up, it's like, dude, let's, let's settle down. I don't think you guys have been watching games. Yeah. If you think that that's the case,
2: I count it to uh, Boogie signing with those Warriors. It's like, I don't, I don't think that changes much. He's not going to close games. I mean, he yeah. cl- in the finals when everybody was out, yeah, they, they let him score 19. And I think then he unfortunately got hurt again, but it's mm. like, you know, if that guy in his prime, oh my god, that guy went in every single yeah, game. Of course. But where he was at, you know, he's going to have a couple games where he makes an impact. They're not going to close with him. That's that's Blake with the Nets. Like he's going to help. He's not bad. Like he can pass, he's big, but no, he's not. I think like I think Joe Harris is like actually really really good. And that's mm-hmm. the fourth guy pretty easily. And then like Bruce Brown has just been like very good there, quietly. And it's people are going to dunk on me for saying Bruce Brown in a conversation with Blake Griffin. Guy's been awesome with that team. He's doing all the garbage work that you need to do on a team with three superstars. Bruce Brown's helpful. And DeAndre Jordan's been pretty good. So
1: Yeah, and also for a second unit guy, a guy you can trust. And also, like, dude, he's been there from the beginning of the year. Yeah. So that's going to mean something. There's a level of trust that the guys have on him, too. Yeah, I want to ask you this question, man, because uh, I've been I've been very outspoken about this for a very, very long time. I just turned 30 years old, right? If you had to happy
2: belated, by the way, thank
1: you, man. Thank you. I wasn't saying that to hear happy birthday, but you know, if if you want to be nice, I'll definitely take all the, (laughs) all the attention, but this idea that we're not patient with lottery picks, bro. Mm -hmm. I see it close to home with the Knicks. RJ Barrett last year, he sucks. He blows, get him out of town very polarizing now it's like yo you look at his numbers he's having a sensational second year with the knicks you look at julius Randle after his first year another Knicks guy right we'll get to him in a little bit because i know you were hyped to talk about him but wow. just look at like Giannis' his first two years six points 12 points zach levine 10 points 14 points chris middleton six points 12 points right these are guys that are 19 20 years old and the reason why i said like i'm 30 right ty is Dude, if you were to stumble on a billion dollars and you were like, yo, Nick, here's a million dollars, bro, just because you're a friend of mine, I'm going to act a fool (laughs) because I haven't had money. And then out of nowhere, I'm a millionaire like I'm going to do some dumb shit. Yeah, it's the same thing with these lottery picks, dude. They come into the league. They're 18, 19 years old. They're thrown millions of dollars. Some of them are now. Lamelo Ball, where like, yo, the, this this is the franchise. Here, there you go. Yeah, you right. Go. Like, take over. Whatever happens, it, it's on you now. You don't think he's gonna do some dumb shit, right? You don't think he's gonna get distracted. You don't think he's gonna have these like terrible performances. This idea that we we can't let these young guys develop, I'm all for. If I was a GM, I would always try to acquire a third or fourth fourth year lottery pick that the team is just like off by low. Like, but yes, because you were a lottery pick for a reason, and it could be a fit thing, right? Ola Depot, when he was with the Magic, he leaves, he goes to the Thunder. So yo this, and then he goes to the Pacers. You're like, yo, he's 24, 25 years old, and he's an all NBA guy. Yeah. But at the time coming in, I, I think this conversation is just my my question to you is what is your feeling about this general conversation of how we want 19 year old 20 year old guys one or two years into the league to be the be-all end-all for our franchise where some guys aren't built like that bro
2: most I I think the issue is we're spoiled with some of them like the issue is everybody sees Luka Doncic who comes into the league and is like immediately an all-star and like their best player and they weren't good that year but you could tell right away and like I mean, LeBron is obviously an example. LeBron came in unbelievable and other players like that. But I think people just get lost in that and just assume that everybody is going to be like, and obviously, you know, LeBron and even Luka have improved, but you're going to be closer to that ceiling year one. I think people just apply that too broadly. And it's like, it's just in most players, full stop, most players, more than not, they're not going to look that good year one like when i do before the season if i do like win projections or whatever i'm almost not even going to count rookies because i just assume either the rookies on the good team probably aren't going to play that much and the rookies on the bad team like they're not going to be able to win yet it just takes a while to learn how to win I mean, even luca they couldn't win year one like Lamelo is winning a bit he's in the east and they have, they have the thing about Lamelo that you know i think people are like oh lamelo has got them winning Lamelo, and he should be rookie of the year right now he's awesome Gordon Hayward's like an all-star caliber player who's having an all-star caliber season right there. Like if Gordon Hayward's not there, they're not a playoff team. Like it's there's there's levels to this. Terry Rogier is a very nice player who's having a good season too. Um, but and some of their and ironically, some of their lottery picks are starting to improve after they were already written off. Miles Bridges, I think, is having a nice season. I think Malik Monk is kind of back in the fold. P.J. Washington is getting better. Like, these are guys where – I mean, Malik Monk had some off-court issues as well, but these are players who, like, you know, they score eight points per game as a rookie, and the entire national NBA, like the fans of other teams, are like, these guys stink. They're terrible. If you're not scoring 15 points a game year one, what's even the point? And it's just so funny how, like, no one is patient – I think it gets back to the issue that you kind of touched on of, like, eye test. Nobody watches. I think that's really the issue is nobody watches. I would guarantee you 90% of the people, and I'm not talking about, you know, if, and I'm not saying he did, but if Nakias Duncan, like, wrote that R.J. Barrett wasn't very good, he watched and saw something, and I, I have no idea if he did or not. Probably not, because he's very smart. But 99% of the people who are, like, on Twitter saying this guy sucks, bust, whatever, they probably have watched, like, two games when RJ Barrett played against their team, they didn't sit and watch RJ Barrett play and see what he does. And this is like the process versus results thing i mentioned earlier. Like people are just obsessed with results and that's all they look at. And that just never is going to give you a complete picture of anything. You need to look at the process. And like, if you watched RJ Barrett, you would have seen some signs. And you also would have seen the other thing with this whole convo, like with the Gordon Hayward thing is like the situation around them. That Knicks team, you know this, trash. Absolute terrible team, especially offensively. No spacing, bad coach. The coaching matters so much for these young guys, especially. Now you bring in some better players. Julius Randle takes this leap that might be connected, might not, but that's helping everybody on that team. And Tibbs has them playing real basketball. And all of a sudden, a guy who he certainly improved. I don't know if he improved as much as people might think to make him go from last year to this year, R.J. Barrett. I think like the situation is so much better and he got better too. I think both things are at play. I think people just ignore everything except like the box score or you know, whatever the talking head on ESPN said or whatever it is that makes an opinion become an opinion in the first place.
1: Well, I I think both things can be true too, right? Like the player made the adjustment and got better in the offseason and also the talent around them because I think you know how many guys are there good good stats bad team guys right like Devin Booker up until this year you're like yo I know he's nice when I watch him he's nice I I weirdly like West Coast basketball just because what's better than a Tuesday night ironically enough it's Tuesday right and then there's gonna be like a random Blazers game on you know I have league pass because of the Blazers because Damian Lillard's my favorite basketball player in the league but like I'll find myself watching the Suns a couple of years ago. And it's like, how, how good is Booker? Or is he just filling up the stat sheet because he's on this trash team? And then you look at him this year, they get Chris Paul. They're in the playoff race. They're, you know, potential top, not top overall seed, but they might have home court advantage right now. They're going to have home court advantage in the playoffs in, in, in the first round. So it's, it's a weird man. And you're right. There are a lot of people that don't watch. Yeah. Like and that's why one thing that I've started doing, bro, and it's it's really helped me a lot, is I reach out to people that know a team specifically.
2: Yeah, you got I think you have to.
1: You have and especially someone like me who covers so many different teams and is more general where you're like hyper focused on one team, like we were talking about before. So, like for me, if if I have a if I have a strong Bucks take, I'm gonna come to you where you watch the Bucks all the time, right? Like, with me, I watch the Knicks all the time. I watch the Giants all the time. And then outside of, like, the polarizing teams, right, like your Lakers and your Clippers, and Milwaukee could be thrown into that, too. Like, the teams that are on TNT and ESPN all the time, you have a strong take. But, you know, I was having – I had this argument on uh Instagram post where I trashed uh, Vucevic, where I was just like – the only thing that I said, Ty, was, yo, no one's going to want to hang out with him all Star weekend, bro. <laughs> like, it's not <laughs> well- a
2: – the, the other the other guys from that part of the world.
1: That's right, a, that's right. a that's a squad, but right, largely a, no, yeah. But I'm the saying The Balkan
2: like, boys are all in, but otherwise no.
1: Yeah, like LeBron's not chilling with Vucevic and like trying to tamper <laughs> with him. Like, I was just saying from a cool level, like he's not cool, like an all-star, but you look at his numbers and he's been balling out. And my buddy yeah. Luke, who he has a magic's podcast, he's like, Yo, you couldn't have been more wrong if you watch him. I'm like, listen, man, I'm not watching a magic and Timberwolves game. I'm watching highlights and I'm doing the box war thing. So you're right that his numbers are all-star worthy. I was saying that it's like when Teddy Bridgewater became a pro bowler because 12 different quarterbacks pulled out. Yeah. I was like, Yeah, Pro Bowl, you officially lost me. <laughs> exactly. So that's how I felt. Sorry, Vucevic If you ever hear this, I know you're not coming on the show, but you know, maybe <laughs> we'll we'll connect a different way.
2: Hopefully. Um, yeah, I think that's uh I mean, like, I think, like, telling a joke like that, I, I don't look at that as the same thing. I mean, like, the Bucks are going to get stuff like that, too. They play in Milwaukee. Like, that's kind of just ignore. Sometimes I laugh. Sometimes it's funny. But it's like when people just, like, absolutely trash, like, you know, saying no one wants to hang out with Vucevic, hurtful, but it's not like you're actually trying to, you know, weigh in on his game. If you're like, this guy sucks. Like, he shouldn't be an all-star at all. Like, that's a different story, and that's the kind of stuff I see all the time. It's just like, there's no nuance. Like you can tell when someone doesn't watch. I talk about this with some of the other team podcasters at Blue Wire, like when you're chatting about whatever. And I was like, "What? what is your tell for your team when it's like you hear something that a nat- national person says and you're like, oh, they haven't watched at all. Like I think uh, Rozier sucking is a good one for the Hornets. Rozier's been really good since he signed there. He's just he's a funny meme guy for the contract, but he's kind of played up to it, quite honestly. For the Bucks, for a long time, it was like Chris Middleton's only a 3-and-D guy. Um, You'll still hear that one from time to time. Um, and various other other things like that. Unfortunately, some of the Bucks ones were true, which is bad for the team. <laughs> like the defense being a gimmick and everything else, some of it hits too close to home. But a lot of it, sometimes you can just, like, you can always tell, I think, when someone doesn't do the research. And that's why, like, when I speak on other teams on the pod, if it's not about, like, literally the game we just watched, I'm not going to go super deep. Like, I'm not going to break down Julius Randle for 20 minutes because I've i loved when I've seen him this year. I haven't watched 20 games of Julius Randle. Like, I just love that he's doing what he's doing. But I'm not going to try. And I, I just think it's important to know your blind spots, and too many people don't. Like, for me, it's draft. I don't watch any college. So I'll just be like, I hear Cade Cunningham is awesome. I think he's going to be a great player. I can't wait to watch him in the league. I'm not watching him now. though. I'm not going to say if he's good or not. Like, you don't have to have a take on everything. You can just have a take on the stuff you know and then admit like hey I actually don't know that. So I'd love to hear someone else talk about that. Like we love to have draft people on and we'll be like bucks are picking 30. Who's going to be good? I'm not just going to wake up and be like Tyrell Terry is the next Steph Curry and I know this for a fact. Never watched him play. No idea. Don't think he's really played this year. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know.
1: That's that's a great thing to admit and to be aware of. Self-awareness I think is very very important for something like this cuz I'm the same way too and also owning up to your mistakes like when you say yeah. something uh completely false i think there's nothing wrong with that people have too much pride and you build a trust with your audience where your your word becomes uh it just means more right i got right. some questions bro as we start to wind down yeah. um it kind of ties into like the last sort of talking points that i had for this show but what moves do the lakers need to make in order to contend with the nets the nets right now have surpassed the Lakers at some sports books as the favorites to win the title. So what would you say the Lakers need to do to contend with the Nets? Because I I feel like, dude, I said on my preview show, Nets, Lakers. This was before they got Harden. This was before people were really sure what Durant was going to look like. And I was saying this from when Durant first got hurt, Ty, that his body type is gonna be able to withstand this Achilles injury, right? Because he wasn't like a heavy set dude who now is built on his explosiveness. Is he explosive? Yeah, absolutely. But his bread and butter isn't the the Blake Griffin and John Wall shit, you know. Like I always make the joke about Tim Duncan, how he was the same speed in 2K. From his rookie year till he retired. <laughs> That's why he played for 20 years at a high level. So, Durant is a seven footer that can shoot. He'll be able to play until he's 40 if he really wants yeah. to. So, even if he's not 100% Durant, if he comes back at like 85, 90%,
2: Dirk. He's
1: still you get yeah, Dirk. He could, yeah, he could be Dirk. And then when you have these pieces around them. So, I was on the Lakers and Nets at the beginning of the year. What do you think the Lakers need to do to contend
2: with the Nets? I think they need to figure out. Who's gonna be the wing with LeBron in some of these high pressure moments? It may, maybe it doesn't have to be a wing, maybe it's like a more of a 2-3 than a three-four kind of player. But it feels obvious to me like Anthony Davis should be their center in most big games, especially Brooklyn, a team that is more perimeter players than big guys. Um, I think that is obvious. Obviously, LeBron's out there. I think Schroeder's really putting himself in, in some of these like closing lineup conversations. He's been important, or maybe not closing, but he's gonna be important. Um, throughout games just because like he's the one other guy who can really pour in points outside of Montrezl Harrell. But I think they really need to figure out or acquire a player. I mean, your question was about, like, trades more and, and buyouts. But, like, out of that group of, like, KCP, Wes Matthews, Kyle Kuzma, like, who's going to be the win? KCP was awesome in the bubble, and he really stepped up. Do you want to bank on that happening again? I mean, they signed him, so I guess they kind of do. But also the bubble was just different, and I think if it is – nets for them and they're probably they might see the clippers right like the west feels better this year the east feels probably a little bit better at the top this year like no disrespect to that miami team but you know maybe you could win with kcp as your third best player against that miami team i don't know if you can win with kcp as your third best player against that nets team like so maybe maybe it's just shooter maybe shooter doesn't have to be a wing but i just feel like they're gonna need a third guy to more reliably step up and i think it's helpful You know, LeBron's whole thing is he'll make the whole team the third guy because he'll just pass to everybody. But, you know, he's getting older every year, man. And I know he's not falling off. I know he's still a great player. But with him aging again, or at least supposedly aging, maybe he just doesn't age, Anthony Davis struggling with some injuries this year, I think their cast is going to need to be more consistent than it was last year. I don't know if they have that guy. I mean, I don't know. I, I really thought Kuzma might do it. I know, like, people love to hate on Kuzma. Good defensive player. Just does some stupid stuff on and definitely off the court, but I don't know if he's really really taken a level up at all. I mean, I just I think there's been opportunities for him to become more than he's been since LeBron has been there. Get back to scoring more like he did his rookie year when they were bad. I just don't think it's really worked out. I don't know if he's that kind of player. I don't know. I just I feel like they need some more reliable pieces who can get points. And maybe it's just Schroeder. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Or Harrell, I guess. I don't think I don't know. They, they have such a weird team to me with the bigs and the, the guards. I feel like they could use a more steady wing, but maybe they'll get by with KCP again. I don't know. I th- They're I a think, weird team, man.
1: Yeah, I think for them, they just got to make sure that – I know one of my buddies is in a really big yearly fantasy league, and he's, like, sketched out about Anthony Davis. Yeah. And I think that's top priority. Oh, I think that. their
2: number one is just be healthy. I think that's going to be their best chance. Yeah.
1: But. And then over there, I think you just – you just bank on lebron and ad and the pieces around them and look let's not forget man i feel like rondo was such a big part of their success last year and yeah. him not being there the whole playoff rondo thing is like a real thing you know it like, was so
2: funny man they they killed vogel all yeah. year for playing him i remember lakers fans were like out oh, they trade him emory like doesn't even go to the bubble so they can't play him like he has all year he was great
1: yeah yeah he was tremendous man and and you know i don't i don't think they I don't think they win the title if it's not for him there too, like he was no. a really big part of them. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with you though, man. I think it's just staying healthy. If you're if you're both teams, right? Like Durant yeah, has been missing yeah. time also, and there's starting to be some rumblings of some panic
2: here in in the New York media covering the Nets. I mean, yeah, so, KD and KD and AD both haven't played in what feels like a really long time—three, four weeks. Yeah. Maybe and a month both, now? Like I think yeah. both guys had shorter timetables. Well, the, the AD thing to me is more concerning. The KD thing, they're gonna be super safe. Why not? They have a top three seed locked up. The A D thing, they brought him back early and then he re-aggravated something. That always to me feels like it's gonna be worse. I'm obviously not a doctor, but I, I hate when teams do that, man. Especially if you're the Lakers. Like let him sit out this whole time. So I, I hope they're all good 100 percent by the playoffs. I mean, you always want to see. Everybody at hundred, even if you know you even though you know you probably won't get it, unfortunately.
1: Dude, is there anything else you want to ask or chime in on as we wrap up?
2: Just in general or with the, the Lakers and Nets. What, whatever whatever you want, man, as
1: we come to an end over here. Because we Let's, touched on everything I wanted to talk about.
2: I want to further appreciate Julius Randle. And I do mentioned it. I mentioned I haven't talked about him as much, but I just love the fact that this guy who was, I think, largely the same player for about three straight years. Kind of basically roughly similar, I feel like, to where Montrez Harrell is now is kinda of how Randall was perceived. Kind of that tweener in size, four or five, who can score around the rim, and you know, if you do a pick and roll, he'll bulldoze and all that, and it's great, and he's like big and but I think there's a just a ceiling scene for players like that, which is, you know, where Trez is right now. Like a sixth man kind of guy who can get you points, but Maybe you don't close with him on the floor. And then this year, really, after being fairly consistent for a long time, Randall just starts to I mean, he's scoring better than ever. He's shooting way better than ever. And I know he started shooting like two years ago, but now he's actually like really making these shots with purpose. And his passing. His passing, I think, is the differentiator for him. I think for every player, I think you're not a great player probably if you can't read the floor and and complete those looks. And I just, I'm so happy this guy who was so maligned, like you mentioned, one of these guys who got killed after not living up to the hype of the pick early. I'm just so happy. This guy's continued to level up and he's really on ironically after chasing all these stars for so long, the Knicks became the Island of Misfit Toys and it's like working out beautifully. And I think teams like that are just special. I remember saying when the Nets got KD and Kyrie, obviously they had to gut what they had, and you do it every time. And I said this then: you do it every time. If you get KD, Kyrie's nice. You get KD, you do it every single time, no matter what. But they lost that that aspect, right? Of like they built this together. They were that same team before the Knicks were. Of like D'Lo was a castaway from the Lakers, same same team that he came from, and all these guys that nobody cared about, and no picks and no free agency, and they built something, and then they took that level up. I think the Knicks are there now. I think who knows, maybe the Knicks do the same thing and add some superstars and they have to gut it too and that I would I would feel sad too. I would think it sucks. And again, it's the right call. If you can get the superstar, you should probably get the superstar. But man, it's fun to just see like a team come together like that. Even their coach is kind of a, you know, a misfit, a misfit toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like nobody everyone thought he, after the Minnesota thing, it's like, "Oh, he's done. He's he's a relic. He can't win anymore." and they're all winning and i think it's awesome and i, I love that they're are kind of all improving together improving people wrong i think teams like that are just powerful
1: dude think about how well the minnesota stint aged for tibs and for butler. jimmy butler yeah dude they got nine wins this year and it's like every year you're like oh you know they're drafting in the lottery every year they got cat Right. Like another guy who like, how good is cat? Right. Good, good stats, bad team guys. He's, he's going to so be,
2: long. he's going to be a booker guy when he eventually, if he gets to a good team, I think people are going to look. At yeah. Him that's when you'll really appreciate
1: and be like, Oh yeah. shit, where was this all along? Well, it was there. It's just, there it was nothing around them. And you know, like with Randall man, uh, I'll tell you this thing about Knicks and, and the Knicks fan base in New York city. There is no city in the world, Ty, that wants their team to be good more than new york wants the knicks to be good dude they they were a game above 500 and there were 400 people on the corner of madison square garden just going ape shit like (laughs) it's just they want we want the knicks to be good because it's the mecca it's the home of basketball the aura of the garden every player that comes to msg it's their favorite venue to play in no matter what the circumstances are there's something about it i think if you look at like career highs for certain players like pretty much all of them happened at the garden like it's some crazy statistic and the knicks fans we love teams like this one that are scrappy they play defense they're tough like we were loving that shit yesterday with randall when he was trying to go and check the referee like yo how'd you miss that call which you know it was a travel i mean it wasn't a travel because kyrie blocked the ball there so that's the kind of team that new york loves right like there's no player that sends nick's twitter off the rails in a good way than when quickly checks in or like oh, quickly yeah. has started the last two games <laughs> and it's like yo iq is in like you got it's must see tv right like the floater is like a like uh death taxes and quickly hitting a floater is like <laughs> the new thing now so and with randall like we we embrace that we want those scrappy dudes we want we want those blue collar guys that are just going to buckle down and and go to work. And it's another dog story in a weird way, right? Like this dude, he came to the Knicks when we were sold the pipe dream of Durant Zion and Kyrie. And then we settle with Randall and RJ Barrett. And now man, the entire fan base is just wrapping their arms
2: fully around those guys. Yeah. I, sometimes I wonder, and not often, but I'm like, does Porzingis ever look back and think like, man, maybe I should have stayed. Maybe I shouldn't have pushed my way out. I, that that would be a fun a fun place to be right now. And Dallas tries to trade him every other week. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he was always destined to leave. That was a weird situation. But, no, I, I do think uh, – I think it is an underdog story. I, I, it's not a great comp to the last Mellow team because obviously Mellow came in being Mellow. But I think there was some of those aspects of like – some of the beloved players on that team I do feel like kind of were that same that same mold. I mean, it felt like you guys embraced JR Smith, like not I mean, Cleveland took it to another level, but stuff like that. I I don't know. I think I think fan bases always love that kind of stuff, and it's awesome that that Randall and RJ Barrett and and even Tibbs in a weird way. I, I don't think I've ever really hated Tibbs. He just is what he is, but it's awesome to see all these guys succeeding together in New York, even if they're going to use everyone's salary to bring in a superstar at the first turn of a hat like every front office would. At least we can enjoy this while it's here.
1: Nah, man, I couldn't agree with you more, dude. That's uh, that's exactly how I feel like. That's exactly how New Yorkers feel about this team. And, you know, I can't tell you how much of a win it was on Nick's Twitter when the report came out that the Mavericks were shopping. Poor Zengis <laughs> were taking calls. It was like, yes, we fleeced them. <laughs> all those years of being trolled. We got one up on them, man. So <laughs> it's exciting, dude. It's exciting. Ty, you're the man, bro. I had a really good time talking. Um, I, you know, one, uh, w- one thing that always crosses my mind when I do these is, uh, how, how much better of a conversation this would have been in person Yeah. because I love the in-person vibe more than anything. I mean, I've even gotten COVID tested just so I could get someone to come into the studio. Like, And also because i built this studio is something that i've always wanted to take advantage of so dude if you're ever in new york we definitely gotta link up also i'm starting a facebook group to get you canceled you know what i'm saying
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah if i I get to new york or maybe we can link in vegas sometime this year
1: man that would be that'd be dope yeah yeah that would be that would be super cool man but
2: for now this was a pleasure uh nice
1: to get to tell your story a little bit and chop it up about some basketball dude. so now there's a part of the show where the floor is yours. Tell the people where they can find you. Promote away, and uh, tell us all, all that needs to be heard.
2: I almost feel bad because I did it all earlier. I was I was selfish and greedy with the uh, the plugs. But I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Actually, at Ty Windish. like I said, T I W I N D I S C H. It is spelled weird. Uh, also on Twitter, you can find the podcast at Eurostep Podcast, G Y R O Step Podcast and please that's the number one thing if you enjoyed this at all or like oh that guy has some okay takes or even if you thought the takes sucked and you're just in a good mood go subscribe and leave that rating and review on Eurostep especially on Apple but you know whatever you listen to pods follow it subscribe it whatever the nomenclature is and and check out the pod I'd really appreciate that and while you're doing all this if you haven't already if you haven't left Nick the rating and review yet that's you don't even that hits differently for the podcast if you leave that five star rating and review on apple even if you listen on spotify man just go open the apple click subscribe leave the five star rating and review on this podcast say that episode with ty windish what a great episode have him on more and then nick and i both win so that's perfect
1: god i love that promo i love that promo. <laughs> Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Derek Platees, Devin Rendone, Jake Powers, Corey Johnson Hoops, Mike Wozniak, and Ryan Pisner. Thank you all for your monthly contribution Game. to the Patreon, patreon.com/slash veterans minimum. And yeah, that's it. I gave out the plugs in the beginning as well. Shouts to Ty, shouts to Giannis. And shout out to Knicks Nation, baby. You think you got it? I got it for real. You think you got what I got? Uh. This one for those they forget in my city. This one for those they forget.
0: This dog off the leash and it's ready to kill. kill. Homie, go finish your meal. I'm coming for real. Taking that food right off of your grill. Nicky too ill. Can't let it drop on me spill. Clogging the lane. I'm feeling the stream, I'm here for the spot to be filled. Not to be cocky, but all of you watching while I'm in the cup paying property bills. Got it. Thank you.